0: hello everyone and welcome to the 11th episode of the op english podcast you are now listening to the b2 version of this podcast if you would like to listen to the a2 version it is available as well i'm recording this on a thursday afternoon the weather is great it is sunny and relatively warm for autumn so i'm in a great mood i just have to say yesterday which was uh, the 7th of October 2022, if you are listening to this in the future, I saw one of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen. Apparently I wasn't the only one who was of this opinion because when I checked my Instagram yesterday before going to sleep, most of my friend's Insta stories were pictures of the horizon with this brilliant sunset. And speaking of yesterday, since the weather was almost perfect in the evening, I decided to go for a walk. I knew that I had to make a work-related call as well, so I rang this person as soon as I left the house. And while I was talking on the phone, I decided to walk from my flat in a direction that I had never gone before. The part of Prague where I live is full of embassies and I stumbled upon an area where I had never been before yesterday. So I got to take a look at some beautiful buildings while admiring the sunset, it was really pleasant. I wish it didn't get any colder than this though, because for me, temperatures around 15 degrees are on the edge of comfort, to be honest. But enough about yesterday, now it is time to get into our topic, Australia. Let me briefly recap what we talked about in the previous episode. Also, uh, before I do that, let me quickly remind you that this podcast has a Patreon, which is meant for people who would perhaps like more from this podcast than just the listening experience. There, you will find transcripts of the episodes, various vocabulary exercises and, last but not least, an extra episode of the podcast every week. So if you'd like to support this podcast and get access to loads of extra resources, check it out. But now, finally, back to Australia. Last time I began our conversation about Australia by saying, that the first Australians arrived to the continent with the help of a land bridge and some boats around 65,000 years ago. Then we abruptly jumped around 64,000 years closer to present time and we discussed that the Aboriginal peoples were now in contact with Indonesian fishermen and that there was no central government or anything similar. We said that Australian tribes and clans were very fragmented, which resulted in the development of about 250 different languages. Then, some European explorers arrived and that's when turbulent times began. As I mentioned last time, the English established a penal colony in the year 1788. The early years of the colony can only be described as disastrous, filled with suffering, hunger and diseases. Then, As more and more colonists and supplies arrived, the situation slowly improved. Once the settlers got over this catastrophic beginning, things were looking up massive expansion started happening sydney goes through its little adventure with the ram rebellion and the governor is arrested by militants many important australian cities are established and business starts booming with the help of new businessmen and as we mentioned before also successful businesswomen and that's roughly where we finished last time and where we begin our story today. We start on a rather depressing note today, because as you know, wherever there are settlers, there is trouble with the aborigines and Australia was no exception. It is crucial to keep in mind that these people had lived in almost absolute isolation for more than 60,000 years, which meant that their immune systems weren't used to common European diseases. A single smallpox epidemic among the local population in 1789 caused the deaths of around 50% of Aboriginal people in the Sydney area. I would like to stop for a moment here and just think about this a little bit. I'm not sure how far medical research was in 1789. I know that the concept of immunity wasn't discovered until 1845 and viruses weren't documented until 1892. But let's just hypothesize here for a second. Do you think that the settlers infected the Aborigines on purpose? Or were they not that evil? I don't know. But anyway, back to the official story. The outbreak in 1789 wasn't the last one by far, and there were many more in the 18th century, ravaging tribes and communities across Australia, killing over half of the infected. How unfair is that? You are just hanging out on this massive continent, peacefully hunting, gathering, having a good time, and suddenly some people come from the ocean and spread this horrible disease that kills half of your population. Just what a concept. I don't want to make this episode too depressing though. I just think that it is important to realize the extent to which the original population got ravaged. And we have not even talked about the conflicts yet. There is a reason behind every instance of conflict. And the reason here was crystal clear. The English insisted that they were better and worthier than the Aborigines, thus taking over their land with little to no respect, using it for agricultural needs and for expansions of settlements and eventually towns and cities. It was totally understandable that the Aborigines wanted to fight back. Not only was their land taken over, But there were also additional factors of simple cultural disconnects there. The Aborigines saw animals as a shared resource. Basically, if you see an animal, you can kill it and take it. It is everyone's and no one's. Consequently, when the indigenous people saw animals being used for farming, it was hard for them to understand that these animals are now protected. The same goes for land being used to grow crops. There are many recorded instances of conflict. One of the more talked about ones was between the Darug people and the settlers northwest of Sydney. The Darug, and I really hope that I'm pronouncing this correctly, Darug, people resisted the settlers by setting their newly built cabins and huts on fire, destroying their crops and killing their livestock. All this was happening between 1794 and 1800. More such conflicts followed. In the 1820s, there were bloody fights to the southwest of Sydney, which culminated in the death of about 20 colonists and likely up to 100 Aborigines. The result of these clashes was the forced relocation of some tribes and the deaths of thousands of Aborigines. As time passed, conflict grew more and more uneven. The settlers were using horses and later even revolvers and other firearms, while the Aborigines fought using very basic weapons. These clashes were happening as recently as 1928 when more than 30 Aborigines were killed in a massacre. The overall Aboriginal death toll since the beginning of the colonization of Australia could be between 8,000 and 30,000. Theories and estimates vary widely though. Moving away from this grim topic, let's talk about the process that Australia went through in order to gain independence. The first impulse came in 1842, when the colony gained the right to establish a council, leading to the first election of members. It wasn't very inclusive though, because only men who possessed property could take part in the election. Then, In 1850, an act called the Australian Colonies Government Act was passed. This granted another level of autonomy to the colonies. Speaking of the 1850s, there were some other significant things underway. Have you ever heard of the Australian Gold Rush, for instance? Let me tell you a little bit about it. Around 1850, people started realizing that there are certain places in Australia where gold could be mined. Based on this realization, the Australian authorities, fearing a disaster, introduced strict laws that limited gold mining. As word about this spread, people from all over the world flocked to these areas, leading to the population of Australia doubling in size in a relatively short period. With time, there was less and less gold to mine and a growing number of people who were frustrated with the aforementioned laws and fees that miners had to pay. This led to some protests against the legislation, finally resulting in an unfortunate event called the Eureka Stockade, where about 20 miners were killed in a violent clash with the local authorities. This disaster led to changes in legislation where the miners' fees were reduced and they were given voting rights. Around the time of the gold rush, Australian colonies started gaining even greater independence. In 1855 and 1856, three colonies managed to create constitutions, New South Wales, Van Damens Land, which was later renamed Tasmania, and Victoria. This also led to an agreement that prevented any more convicts from being brought into Australia. It might seem like this meant true Australian independence, but England still retained veto rights when it came to certain matters. Moving a bit forward, we see huge progress in the formulation of a democratic government. In 1895, women gained the right to vote, although unfortunately some racial restrictions were still left in place. This is where I would also like to mention the existence of bushrangers. Bushrangers were people who lived in the bush and were often involved in various criminal activity. Probably the most famous bushranger group, the Kelly Gang, gained huge popularity because of their fight against oppressive police forces and activity against the establishment. The gang's leader, Ned Kelly, was later executed at the age of 25 after being sentenced for murder. He became an Australian legend and a symbol of rebellion. Conversely, some people argue that he shouldn't be praised at all, since he was little more than a criminal and murderer. Now, zooming back out into the wider picture, we see Australia, as the export of gold brought in more and more money, becoming one of the highest-ranking countries when it comes to standards of living. Thanks to these excellent economic conditions, we witnessed the inception of the eight-hour workday. Sounds familiar? Well, you have the Australians to thank for your daily working hours. We again come across more racial discrimination in the 1870s when, due to high immigration rates of the Chinese, Restrictions were put in place. Chinese were attracted by the prospect of gold mining and were basically being used in various sectors as cheap labor. Let's continue though. As is often the case, the Australian economic boom couldn't last forever. In the 1890s the country fell into an economic depression. This, of course, led to a huge spike in unemployment, which then triggered several strikes. In the late 1890s, after a long, difficult period of negotiations between the colonies, a unified idea for the establishment of the Federation of Australia was finally agreed upon. Then, in 1900, a delegation set off to Britain to propose this new plan. The British government, following another period of difficult negotiations, eventually agreed to the plan. And so, we see the inception of the Federation of Australia, the first truly independent establishment. In 1901, the Commonwealth of Australia becomes the official title, and this my dear listeners, is where I will conclude today's episode. Why don't we cover the 20th century, you might ask? Well, the reason is quite simple. The 20th century is when we witness monumental events like the world wars, political reforms and of course much more. If I really wanted to go into the details of these topics, that would require a whole another episode or two to cover. If you would like me to talk about Australia further, definitely let me know, I would be more than happy to. To sum up my thoughts on all this, I must say there is a lot of blood and discrimination lining Australian history. I will admit that while doing all this research, I was quite surprised how brutal some of the laws were and for how long they stayed in place. That said, nowadays Australia is one of the most inclusive countries on earth, So we can all be glad that all that bad stuff was left in the past. One thing that I keep thinking about is the Australian climate. Especially cities like Perth have the perfect climate for people like me who do not enjoy cold temperatures. Apparently the temperature there mostly doesn't drop below 20 degrees Celsius. You might be saying you should move there if you like the weather so much then. And to that I would say that Yes, the weather sounds awesome, but there is one thing that I would be quite afraid of there. And that thing is the local wildlife. One of the big drawbacks that come to mind when bringing up Australia is, as one of my friends says, uh, that most animals in Australia will try to kill you. And while that is a massive hyperbole, there is a speck of truth in that statement in western australia you can come across venomous snakes dangerous spiders and other fun creatures i guess the question is am i willing to tolerate these animals in exchange for perfect weather and my answer to that is i'm not sure and it isn't very relevant at this moment because I'm not planning to move anywhere anytime soon. And with that, we have reached the end today. Thank you very much for listening and don't forget to wait for the vocabulary recap at the end. Have a great day, cheers and bye bye. Nyní se pojďme podívat na slovní zásobu z této epizody. Nejprve tam byla fráze stumble upon something. My víme, že stumble je zakopnout, uh, ale stumble upon something je na něco náhodou narazit. Ve větě to může být použito například takto. I stumbled upon this book in the library and I just couldn't resist it. To znamená, narazil jsem náhodou na tuto knihu v knihovně a nemohl jsem ji odolat. Dále tady máme přídavné jméno Abrupt. Abrupt znamená náhlý nebo prudký. Ve větě bych to použil třeba takto. The abrupt change of subject in the discussion was very strange. To znamená, že ta náhlá změna tématů v této diskuzi byla velmi zvláštní. Dále tady máme... Další přídavné jméno. A to je přídavné jméno booming. Booming znamená vzkvétající. Ve větě to použijeme například takto. The booming economy caused a big increase in the standards of living. To znamená, že ta vzkvétající ekonomika způsobila velké zvýšení v životních standardech. Dále je tady sloveso ravage. Ravage znamená spustošit, nebo taky zdevastovat. Ve větě, takové aktuální větě, to můžeme použít třeba takto. Hurricane Ian ravaged several areas of Florida. To znamená, že hurikán Ian zpustošil několik oblastí Floridy. Další přídavné jméno, které tady máme, je uneven. Uneven, my víme, že even je vyrovnaný, rovný. A uneven, negativní prefix un, je Nerovný, a nebo nespravedlivý, taky v určitém kontextu. Třeba uneven distribution of wealth can cause many problems. To znamená, že nerovné nebo nerovnoměrné rozdělení bohatství může způsobit mnoho problémů. A jako poslední, tady máme, dneska máme pouze 6 slovíček, protože jsem si vůbec co z toho podcastu nějak vybrat dneska, ale poslední slovíčko, které jsem zvolil, tak je Inception. Inception je podstatné jméno a znamená to počátek nebo začátek. Ve větě třeba takto. He's been with the company since its inception. To znamená, že on je s touto společností od jejího vzniku. A s tím dnešní epizodu končím. Takže ještě jednou díky, že jste poslouchali. Jestli byste si chtěli procvičit tu, tu slovní zásobu, nebo se podívat na transkripty této epizody, mrkněte na můj patron, všechno to tam je. Takže budu se těšit zase příště a mějte se.